we're continuing our series we've just called All In. And I hope you've had the opportunity to uh, read the book of James with us. Uh, if you haven't, you can look online on our website, kingwoodchurch.com. You'll see a button that says All In. It's our current uh, sermon series. And uh, you can find there um, some study notes that I wrote for the book of James. Uh, you can find all, all, the, all the notes there uh, that gives you a good background of the book. You can find a reading schedule. So basically what we're doing is all week we're reading the same part of James uh, over and over again uh, looking for what God is saying to us and to our church and to us individually, to our families. And then, and then that Sunday will come and that's what the message will be on. So many of you have already been reading from the, from the part of James that I'm going to speak from this morning all week long. So I want to encourage you to do that. Also, all the worship songs we're singing uh, in the, this summer in this series are on our website. You can see those there. And then a soap. So I want to ask uh, Caleb if you'd go ahead and join me. Caleb Bush is going to show you this morning uh, what a soap is like, uh, how to read the Bible in this format. Uh, and so what we're trying to do is not just read the Bible, but we're trying to process the Bible, trying to engage the Bible, trying to understand what the Bible is saying to us. Uh, and just before he shares this, I want to just give you one more thought about this series. Um, uh, the last Sunday of this series will be the last Sunday of July. Now that's important. I'd like for you to pray with me about that day, and here's why. It's the last chapter of James that we get the language, if any among you are sick, call for the elders of the church, uh, let them anoint with oil, uh, lay hands on them, and the prayer of the righteous man will make the sick well. And so the last Sunday of this series is going to be a prayer service on Sunday morning uh, for healing. And so I just want to ask you to join us in prayer this summer as we get ready for that service that God is going to touch. Now that Greek word for sick is a broad word that doesn't just mean, it does mean physically sick, but it also means to be weak or financial need or suffering from disease. And so I just want to encourage you, if you know someone who have, has those needs, whether they go to church or not, uh, ask them to join us that day. Say, hey, look, our, our church is going to be having a prayer time where we're just going to be praying for people who have needs, and I thought of you, uh, and I'd love to ask you to join me that day. It'd be a great day to come. We just want to pray with you. So uh, pray with us about that day. It's going to, be, going to be a really fantastic day. So Caleb, go ahead and read for us uh, your soap. Okay. Um... The passage of Scripture that stood out to me was uh, James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. My observation of this passage is the word do. James uses the word do eight times in this um, for, our, for our reading this week. I think the message is clear. True Christianity requires action. We do no good for the kingdom when we simply listen and discuss God's Word. Gaining in our own intellectual knowledge of Scripture is only one part of our walk with Christ. We must act to have a truly fulfilling relationship with our Savior. My action, or application. This Scripture reminds me of the Nike campaign, Just Do It. Three little words that have so much power in their meaning. We can talk about what needs to be done and what decisions should be made. We can talk about the fact that there's a world out there that is desperately in need of something more and someone who cares that there are people who are longing for a deep and meaningful relationship people who are hurting and don't have an answer but talking does nothing 
We have what they need, and we have the greatest how-to manual ever written. So just do it. I'm going to be intentional about what I do. I'm going to seek out people that are looking for something more in their lives. I want to build up relationships with them to show them the love of Christ in day-to-day -day living. I'm going to devote my time for things that I believe can truly further the kingdom of God. My prayer was this. God forgive us for not taking action all the times we have seen an opportunity to make a difference and let it pass us by. Give us boldness to reach out into this world of need. Strengthen our faith to believe that when we act according to your word, that you will supernaturally be there to make the lasting difference in people's, in people's lives. Help us to hear and understand your word that is our guide for our walk with you. Help us to see the needs that we can meet, the areas where we can make a difference. Give us the wisdom to know the best way to meet those needs and reveal to us um, your wisdom and give us courage to act. Amen. Amen. Boy, wasn't that incredible? <laughs> Caleb, that was, uh, that was great, and, and it is my exact point this morning. Today we're sharing from James chapter 1, if you'll turn there, 19 through 27, and uh, we're going to be sharing hearing and doing. Uh, and as you're turning there, let me make you aware of a, just a couple other things. Let me just catch you up for a minute. Uh, summer is such a busy time for everybody, and it, we sort of change gears. And so we had a team of 51 people that just returned from Honduras a week ago, had a phenomenal missions trip, largest missions team in Kingwood history. Another load of folks have just returned yesterday from kids camp, uh, which is incredible. Today is our, our summer semester life group kickoff. And so uh, all of our summer life groups start today. Uh, it doesn't mean they meet today. It just means this is, they'll start this week at some point. If you haven't gotten one of our life group uh, guides yet that'll show you all the groups in them, if you're not in a group yet, I want to encourage you, summer's a great time to jump in. Many of these will meet maybe two to six times all summer long. And so there's a, a lot of opportunity for you to get involved, get to know people, and uh, start seeing the church in a smaller way rather than just in a larger way. Uh, and it'll bring a lot more meaning to your experience here. So uh, we've emailed you. If we have your email address, we emailed you this week a copy of our Life Group Guide. I want to encourage you to look in it and uh, go ahead and sign up. Uh, some of you may even do two different groups. And that's okay. That'll be fine. So jump in. Uh, now, in a week or so, our youth camp, Beach Freak, we're going to have a whole other load that'll go away. The Sunday after that is Water Baptism and Father's Day. So a lot of great things going on. Jump in, get involved. Um, there, there's a lot of things that God's doing in our heart and life, and we want to share those with you. Now let's look today at this message, Hearing and Doing. Let me just catch you up for a minute if you weren't here last week. James, who wrote this book, this letter called James, is probably the brother of Jesus. Uh, and he wrote to a group of Jewish Christians who were struggling with uh, difficulties and troubles that would sound something like this. Uh, why are we having so much trouble? You know, now that we're Christians, I thought when I got saved, I thought when I became Christian, everything, everything would be easy or everything would work out fine. Why is God letting bad stuff happen to us? I thought Jesus had the answer to all our problems. Why do we have to go through trouble? Is it our fault? Did we do something wrong? Is it the devil attacking us? Why won't God protect us from the attack of the enemy? 
And verse 1 through 18, we talked about last week trials and temptations. Today, we're going to talk about hearing and doing so. Look at James chapter 1, 19 through 27 with me and just follow along as we read together. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Now, I want you to pay special attention to verse 23 to the end here. That's really where we're going to pull our our thoughts today. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Now there's a story about an old man who was constantly complaining about his neighbors. He would say, I've never seen such bad people in all my life. The people in this town are terrible. They're always talking about each other. And one day a stranger happened to run into him and overheard him complaining about the bad people in the town, and he asked, why do you say the people here are so bad? The old man said, just look at this fellow coming toward us right now. I'd know his face anywhere. He's, He's never bothered telling me his name. See that sharp, cruel eyes darting back and forth? He slinks along with his shoulders drooping, just waiting to pounce on someone with hateful words. The stranger said, wow. You're clever to notice all of this just by reading his body language. I mean, he hasn't even said anything yet. He said, but there's one thing that you didn't notice. The old man said, what's that? There's a mirror at the end of the hall right in front of you. The man coming towards you is you. James must have had this guy in mind when he wrote this letter. He was writing to Jewish people who'd been steeped in teaching all their life. You get what you deserve. Whenever something bad happens to you, there's got to be someone to blame. If, if, If something bad occurs, you must have done something wrong to deserve it. God's out to punish you. So you can see how they naturally believe when trouble comes their way, God's punishing them for it. So they had to figure out why they were suffering. Suffering, somebody caused this. Whose fault is it? You ever had that question? Have you ever had that feeling? Have you ever gone through moments in your life that are so hard or so tough or so difficult that you you have to believe somewhere someone must have done something wrong? Surely this wasn't the way life is meant to be. Somebody caused this. The people who first read James' letter were the same way. They had a blame someone mindset. So in this passage, James dares them to look in the mirror. So this morning I thought what I would do is, uh, is show you this concept. Now don't everybody back up. There's something coming at you. Look out. James said the Word of God 
is like a mirror. When you read it and you look in it, there's some balcony mirror for you. When you read it and you look in it, you see something. You see something when you read the Bible that you don't see anywhere else. It is an accurate reflection. It tells the truth. It doesn't fudge. It doesn't pretend. It doesn't put on. And what James dares these Jewish Christians to do is to take a hard look in the mirror of truth and let it reveal what is really happening in their life from God's point of view. See, the mirror is truth. It is an accurate reflection of what's really going on from God's point of view. Now they're faced with trials and they're faced with troubles and they're not sure how to handle it. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's actually a phobia of looking in the mirror. It's called catoptrophobia. Can you say that with me? Catoptrophobia. You'll, you'll talk about that over lunch today. Catoptrophobia. There's a, there's a fear of looking in the mirror. Psychiatrists tell us that it goes back to feelings of failure and personal shame. So for some, the best way to avoid dealing with the truth is not to face it at all. Catoptrophobia. When we were in Honduras a week ago, uh, we were at breakfast one morning. 51 people were staying in cabins all over the property. And one of the ladies looks at me at breakfast and she says, Does you guys, Do you guys' rooms have uh, mirrors? Because you understand some of our housing was primitive. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> you can see this happening, right? A, a, a conversation between a man and a woman. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I just I slept in this and I came to breakfast. I'm not sure. We have any mirrors? I don't I never thought about it. And she said, Really? And I said, Hey, I, I asked a couple, hey guy, do you all remember? I don't know. <laughs> I said, We're not getting anywhere, are we? And all the so anyway, we got mirrors later in the week for all the ladies and uh uh it worked out. But it, it, in some ways it's like saying Do you, have the, do you have the Word of God? Do you, have a, do you have a true reflection of what's going on in your life? Do you really know what's happening? Who tells you the truth? Well, God says that the Bible is a mirror that tells us the truth and gives us a reflection of what's going on inside. So let's look for a minute this morning. What do I see when I look into God's Word? Let me give you three quick things. If you're taking notes, uh, you can write these down. Here's the first one. When I look into the mirror of God's Word, I see my brokenness and I see my sin. That's what I see. Maybe there's a reason that we struggle to read the Bible. Maybe it's not all culture and translation and foreign. Maybe it's because it probes our soul. When I look into the mirror of God's Word, I see my brokenness and I see my sin. When I read the Bible, I pretty quickly realize I am not like what this Scripture says. Or let me say it another way. The Scripture's reading me right, but I'm different than than what the Bible says a Christian's life is. 
And boy, that becomes clear to me as I read certain passages in the Bible, as I read the Beatitudes, as I read the fruit of the Spirit, as I read Jesus' life, as I read the truth of the Word. It's reflecting that I have brokenness and I have sin and I am not at all like this and I'm further than I thought. Seeing our flaws in the mirror of truth is humiliating. Some of the troubles we have in our life, we caused. We, we created them. We yield the temptation and then we wallow in shame. Verse 21 and 22 says, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you. I love that statement. Humbly accept the word that is planted in you. Humbly accept. We don't just hear God's word. Caleb read it a minute ago. But we also accept it. How do we know that we've accepted it? Watch this. It's when we stop blaming, when we stop accusing ourselves and we stop blaming others. And there's a lot of lies out there. Our culture lies to us and people lie to us. And some of us grew up in families that lied to us and didn't tell us the truth. Maybe they didn't mean to, but they said things like, you're stupid and you don't matter and you're never going to be anything. And those are lies. And we grow up with those lies. And sometimes we lie to ourselves. And ever since Adam and Eve ate from the wrong tree, lies have been loose in the world and they seek to take over. We hear all kinds of crap. You've gone too far after what you've done. God can't help or won't help you. What happened was all your fault. Man, I'm telling you, if there was a lie that the average Christian deals with more than any other lie, it's that this incredible life of Christ is for every other Christian on earth, but it's not for you. Because you're different and you crossed the line and you did something wrong and there's something exceptional about you. Lie, lie, lie. And our culture fills us with these lies. Why is it that every child of divorce will at some point in their life believe that if they had been a better child, their parents would still be together? Why Why does every child of divorce believe that at some point? Because it is a lie. It is the lies that turn in and hurt us. We believe these lies and live out these lies and they cause damage and they cause brokenness and then we pick the Bible up and we look at it and we see the damage and the brokenness. We see the holes and we see the wounds. And God's Word is truth. Now watch this. When we see our reflection in God's Word, we see the brokenness and sin, but we also see something else. We see that God is a healer. He offers healing and forgiveness. Why do we see brokenness and sin when we pick the mirror up? It's the only way to find the healer. You're not going to find the healer if you believe you don't need him. It's the sick, Jesus said, he came to help. Not the well. So when you look, pick that word up, you're going to see holes and you're going to see gaps and you're going to see weaknesses. You're going to see things you wish weren't there. You know why? It's Jesus speaking to you saying, come to me. I will heal. I will fix. I will, I will help you. I'm not sure I've ever known anyone who found inner healing alone. So I want to just say it one more time and encourage you. Don't do the Christian journey by yourself. Today's life group launch day. I don't know anybody. Well, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe you didn't try to know anybody. Nobody's ever introduced himself to me. Have you ever introduced yourself to anybody? 
I wish I had friends. You ever been friendly? Right? I mean, look, there's only so much the church can do from your end. You've got to step out. Right? So like we put it online, we do the brochure, it's got a cool picture on it to make a, whoa, look over here. But you like got to get your little finger on the mouse and start pushing buttons. Then you got to get in your car and you got to drive over there. You got to walk in and say, hey, I'm, I'm new. Can you introduce me to somebody? Don't do, the, don't do the journey alone. Healing will come as you go deeper into the body of Christ. Why? Because it's His body. First and third Monday nights, right here in the sanctuary, we have a ministry that meets a, a prayer and Bible study uh, that focuses specifically on healing. Grief Share is a, a ministry we have, you can see it in your bulletin, that meets uh, every Tuesday night that helps people who are recovering from loss. And you can look that up. Okay, the first thing I see when I look into God's Word are, is my sin and my brokenness. Here's the second one. Just in case you thought it was going to get better. I see my failures. Aren't you glad you came? <laughs> wow, this is encouraging, isn't it? Now you say, how is failure different than sin and brokenness? My failures might be sin. But what I mean by failure is my attempt to get things done without God. My reactions when things go wrong. When I'm living in frustration, I tend to see things my way instead of God's way. That's failure. That's failure. Verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now obviously James is talking to a group of people who are the opposite. They were slow to listen, quick to talk, and quick to become angry. Now can't you just hear them? Whether it's someone else's fault or my own fault, they're angry, they're mad, it's somebody, anybody, blame, it's God, it's the devil, it's their enemy, it's themselves, it's their brother and sister in Christ, it's accusation and backbiting and gossip and blame and guilt and shame. There was no way they could see this from God's perspective while they were angry and complaining. You know what I learned about complaining? I never see God's way when I'm complaining. It's an eclipse. If you want a verifiable way to shut yourself off from the will and way of God, just chronically complain. And I promise you, your complaints will eclipse the will of God in your life and you will not see it. You will not interpret the issues of your life from God's perspective if you're constantly complaining. Now look at verse 20. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that, righteousness that God desires. Now let me tell you a, a quick story. There was a bird flying south for the winter, but he left too late, and he froze. This frozen bird drops out of the sky and lands on the ground in a cow pasture. Cow sees the bird landing on the ground, uh, landing there. Uh, I'm sorry, he doesn't see the bird. So now, now look, everybody, just, just nobody run out yet, okay? This is deep theology, so nobody be offended. I'm going to try to figure out how to say this in a way that everybody will be happy. Well, everybody never be happy. Most of you will like. So this cow, not seeing the frozen bird, backs up. You know what I'm saying? 
And, and he dumps on the bird, okay? Everybody with me? I told you, deep theology. He dumps on the bird. Because of the temperature change, the bird starts to thaw out. Now I'm preaching. Now hold on now. But the bird wakes up and all he can see is the dump. He can't see anything. So he starts squawking and squawking and squawking. He doesn't know what happened. Last thing he remembers, he was in the sky flying. He's squawking and squawking and making all this noise and crying out. And just so happens a bobcat hears him. So the bobcat trails over, finds him, wipes the stuff off, sees that it's a bird and eats him. Now, you might want to write this down. I'm going to give you the best theology you heard all day. Let me give you three quick lessons we learned from this story. Number one, not everyone who dumps on you is your enemy. Everybody still with me? You want to hear two? (laughs) Not everyone who cleans it off is your friend. I should charge for stories like this. (laughs) Let me give you the third one. When you're in the dump, be quiet. (laughs) Right? Our failures and our reactions and our ways are not God's way. And we don't see that until we look in the mirror. And they do not produce God's results. Why do, our fail, why do we see our failures when we look in the mirror? Because God wants us to know that He is a Redeemer. The only way to know God's a Redeemer is to know I'm a healer is to know I'm sick. I'm broken. The only way to know God's a Redeemer is to know that I failed. And He will redeem even the greatest moments of our life. So here's the last one. We look in the mirror and we see our brokenness and our sin and we see our failures. Here's the last one. What do I see when I look in the mirror? I see my greatest need. I see my greatest need. Verse 25. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. What is my greatest need? Is it a better job? Is it a new car? Is it a different spouse? Is it a different education? Is it more talent? Is it to be more handsome and more attractive and more strong and more athletic? What is my greatest need? To have more money? To have a better retirement plan? What is my greatest need in life? It is to hear God and to do what He says. My greatest need in life is to hear God and to do what He says. We're in such an information age. We have 24-7 access to hearing. We have more translations of the Bible than we've ever had. We have Christian radio and Christian TV and Christian bookstores and Christian books. And some of the finest preaching the entire world has ever heard is accessible 24 hours a day, 7 days a week on your handheld device, video sermons, podcast, iTunes, DVD series. But for all the hearing, has it produced more doing? That's the question. Hearing 
is not enough. Well, we're good at hearing. Hear a lot. I want to hear a good word, Pastor. How about we do a good word? I want to hear something good. I want to hear a good teaching. I'm ready. I'm, I want to hear something. Everybody can hear. It's not the hearer that changes. It's the doer. Jesus told a parable in Matthew 7 about a man who built his house on the sand and a man who built his house on a rock. A storm came, and the man who built his house on the sand's house caved in because the foundation was wrong. The man who built his house on the rock stood because his foundation was right. Jesus interprets the parable for us and tells us the difference. The man with the sand foundation is like the man who hears God's word and then does not do it. I.e., American Christianity. The man who built his house on the rock is like the man who heard God's word and he did it i.e. New Testament Christianity. It's not enough to hear, you must do. Knowing's not enough, you got to act. Hearing and not doing is like looking at yourself in the mirror, James says, and then walking away and not remembering what you look like. What was that? What color is my shirt? Is my hair messed up? I can't remember. It's like looking in the mirror and then forgetting. That's what, that's what hearing and not doing, James said, is like. It's like building a house on the sand. It won't last. I want to ask our worship team to come, and I just want to, I want to wrap up with this uh, story. When, when Stacy and I lived in Mississippi... It's a, it's a long story, I can't tell you all of it, but um, we had come to a point, a crossroads in our church. And uh, we were going to be voted on uh, for the third time by the congregation. And, and there, there, were some, there was a small group of people in the church that were, that were trying to cause problems. And, and so a board member's wife calls me and says, Hey, don't you know tonight that they're trying to vote you out. Do you know that? I said, you know, I, I, I didn't have anybody say it to me like that. I had an idea. But I understand. She said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, what do you mean, what am I going to do? What, are you going to go fist fight? I mean, what do you mean, what am I going to do? WWF? I mean, I don't know what you're... She said, what are you going to do? I mean, you got to do something about this. Because she was for us. And I had already heard a very clear direction from God that we were not to fight, we were not to enter the conflict, we were not to defend ourselves. We were to just simply stand. And so I said to her, I said, look, we're not going to fight. We didn't come to fight. We came to pastor. We didn't come to fight. We came to reach this city. And fighting's not going to help anybody. And, we're, and she said, she, she was frustrated with me. She loved me, but she was frustrated with me. She said... Well, I mean, they're going to do it. And so that night, they arrived at the church an hour before the meeting so they could stand in the foyer and, and what, it, what it ended up being 
is a, a deceit. They ended up spreading things that weren't true. And so they posted up for an hour to try to catch everybody coming in to influence them. But the Lord said to me, don't you fight. Don't you fight. Don't you fight. So I told Stacy and our kids, I said, you, I don't know how bad this is going to get. I want you to stay home. Don't come tonight. I don't know what will happen. So at 6.59, I got out of my car in the parking lot and I walked through the back door where I wouldn't meet anybody and I walked straight out to the auditorium and I went straight to the pulpit and we started the meeting. I'm not here to fight. You're going to do whatever you're going to do. I'm not, I'm not going to fight. And all I knew is that God told me not to fight, not to attack, not to, not to react. I didn't know how it would turn out. I didn't know what the results would be. I didn't know what would happen. I didn't know if the lies would ever be exposed. I didn't know anything. Can you feel that dilemma? All I knew is one thing. God asked me to go all in. Just go all in. Shoo. That's hard. That's hard when you want to hit somebody in the nose. I don't, I don't even want to finish the story. I don't even want to tell you how it ends. You know why? It doesn't matter how it ends because today some of you are in this place and you're struggling and you don't know how it's going to end but, but the same words I heard in my spirit that day are the same words the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today and He's calling you to go all in with Him. How do you know, how do you know if you're a doer and not just a hearer? I'll tell you how you know. Your life will change. Your life will change. The storm will come and your house will stand. If you're a doer, not just a hearer. The storm will come and your life will stand. You will walk away from the mirror and you will remember what you look like. That's how you know. So would you stand with me this morning? I want our prayer team to come and I want to ask everyone if you would just go to prayer with us right now. No, nobody moving, please. Just Let's just honor this moment. There's some people in the room struggling today and I, and I want us to have an opportunity to pray with you. No one looking around. If you're struggling today, you're in a crisis. You don't know what to do. Maybe you're in a conflict in your own marriage. Or another relationship. Maybe you have to make a decision and the direction's not clear to you yet. I'm telling you, there's going to come a point that the spirit of how you need to approach this thing will be clear. And maybe today's the day when the clarity comes. And when that happens, I want to encourage you to go all in. Don't hesitate. Don't hold back. Don't second guess. Go all in. So this morning, I want to pray with you. If you're here today and you say, I need healing in my life. When I look in the mirror, I see sin and I see brokenness and I need healing and I need forgiveness or I need to give forgiveness. Would you lift your hand and say, yes, that's me. Yeah, that's me. Come on, just lift it up. Yeah, yeah, I see your hand. I need forgiveness. I need healing. I need to give forgiveness. Man, there's some broken things on the inside of me that just need to be resolved. And I want to go all in with God today and let them go. Come on, just lift it up. Come on, just lift it up. Yeah, I see it. Thank you. Come on. Come on, just lift it up. Just lift it up. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yeah, 
Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm in a struggle. I'm trying to make a decision. I'm carrying a burden and I don't know what to do. Can I tell you something today? God is a redeemer of those confusing moments and He will bring clarity and direction. You need wisdom today. You need clarity. Would you just lift your hand and say, I need God to help me. I'm in a spot. Yes, ma'am. I'm in a spot. I need. Yes, ma'am. I see it. Yeah. I'm in a spot. I need God's help. I need clarity. I need wisdom. I need to know. I need direction. Come on, just lift it up. I want to pray for you. Yes, ma'am, I see it in the balcony. Yeah. Just lift it up. Yes, I see it. Yes. Yes, one, one more. Maybe you're here today and you say, I have clarity. But if I'm honest, I'm struggling to do what I know to do. Boy, I have been there. I have been there. I have clarity, but I'm struggling to do what I know I should do. Would you lift your hand and say, that's me. That Well, that's a brave hand to go up. That's courage. But that's the heart. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I see it. But that's the heart of a person that says, I'm ready. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That's the heart of a person who says, God, I want to go all in, but I can't do it by myself. I need help today. I see your hand. Yes. The worship team's going to begin to sing. And as they do, you lifted your hand this morning. I want you to come for prayer. And I want you to come to a time of agreement. Just let someone pray with you and say, yes, I...